So, we're going to start a new teaching series that's going to be the first three weeks of the month of August that I'm calling, It Goes Without Saying. Something changed a few years ago when McDonald's were found liable for multi-million dollars because a woman burned herself with a cup of their coffee and they did not have a warning on the cup that the contents are hot. I think that was the beginning of the end, to tell you the truth. But anyway, but, but a lot of things changed. And what it meant was so many people who offer services and products, they, they, they realize they have to be ultra-cautious. So you've got things like, and I saw a picture the other day of a, of a sleeping pill, and, and it said on, on, on the bottle, Caution may cause drowsiness. <laughs> really, really. And, and I saw somewhere there were, where they were selling jet skis, and on the jet ski there was a big sign that said, warning, never use a lit match or naked flame to check fuel level. <laughs> and a hairdryer that cautioned do not use while sleeping. <laughs> but I must confess, I did see the need for the egg carton that had the words on it, may con this product may contain eggs. <laughs> and welcome to the United States of America in 2022, folks. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> Masters, it's stating the obvious. And what, what I want to look at this month is, is Jesus made some statements in Matthew chapter 6, which he was just stating the obvious, apparently. He did, there are things that Jesus didn't say, here's what you ought to do, here's what I want you to do, here's what you should pursue. He simply said, when you do these things. Because as far as he was concerned, it goes without saying that these would be part of our lives. It, it starts in Matthew 6 and verse 1 where he says this, take care, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, for then you will lose your, your re, the reward from your Father in heaven. Don't do your deeds publicly. So he starts by making that statement, look, don't. Don't be people who just make a show so that others take note of what you're doing. What you need to do is you need to please your Father in heaven. And, and uh, actually, that's kind of underscored by a statement the Apostle Paul makes in Galatians 1 verse 10, where he says to the Galatian believers, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So he said, hey, look, here's the deal. You may or may not like what I'm saying or what I'm doing, but the bottom line is this. I want to please God. I want to please God. And that was his goal. And in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about things that please God. And the first part of it describes these three components, three things that he says when you do. He talks about when you give, 
when you pray, when you fast. And we're going to look at those the next three weeks. There will be waffles next week and no food the week after. <laughs> no, just kidding. Fasting has got a far broader meaning as well, and we'll, 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 we'll go into that. Because those are three things that in Jesus' eyes go without saying. And if you should be kind of hesitant this morning on any one of those, I want to say to you, why not give it a try? Why not give it a try? Because he said, not only will these things please your Father is in heaven, but he talked about these things as being a secret to a fulfilled life here on earth. Giving, praying, controlling our desires. They're a given in Jesus' eyes. Give, pray, fast. Outward, upward, inward. Manward, Godward, selfward. And, and he starts off there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, by talking to those that were around him about when they give. And here's what he said. So when you give, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus said, when you give, here's how not to give, and here's how to give. He took it for granting that giving would be something that would be something that we do on a consistent, regular basis without necessarily needing to be nudged, okay? Now, if you're starting to think, particularly if you're visiting, saying, oh, this is one of those churches. I came on a bad Sunday. No, no, you didn't, because this is not one of these churches, and you came on a good Sunday, and what I'm not going to do this morning is to try to squeeze money out of people, because I don't do that. The Bible doesn't do that, and God doesn't want to do that. What I will do this morning is I'm going to look at what Jesus said, and, and I'm going to suggest that for all of us, it's maybe a good thing for us to be reminded that it's great to be generous, especially where those in need are concerned. Are you good with that so far? Okay. So, very simply, let's look at what Jesus said about the when of giving. And that's easy. Matthew 6, 2. So when you give to the needy, ju ju just that statement there, when you give to the needy, Jesus expected all of the folks who were listening to him, his disciples and a larger group that were listening, he expected that giving to the needy would be part of what they did, and he, he directs them. He took it for granted that they'd be helping those that are in need. Now, the reason Jesus did that is he was talking in a Jewish context, and it was a part of the instruction of every Jewish person to give to those in need. So, the history of Israel as we have it in the Bible has them way back um, in the book of Genesis as slaves in Egypt, then being delivered by God 
under the leadership of Moses and taken towards a land, God said, where they would have their own place. So after years of slavery and being kind of worse than nothing, after 40 years of traveling in the desert and living a very interesting, simplistic life, now they were going to come into a beautiful piece of country that God was going to give them as their own. And as they prepared for that, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7. God's talking about when they get into their own place. When you happen on someone who's in trouble or needs help among your people with whom you live in this land that God, your God, is giving you, don't look the other way pretending you don't see them. Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. So God says, once you get in there and you start to settle down and, you know, you start to have a way better life, one of the things you must not do is don't look the other way when you see somebody in need. And, and I love the way the message puts it there. Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. In Deuteronomy 12, uh, sorry, same chapter 15 and verse 11, there's more on this. God says, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Listen, the reason we do the stuff that we do is because it's a God thing. I'll say that again. If you want to say amen when I finish, I'd feel a lot better about it, all right? So just do it for me, even if you don't believe it, all right? All right, the reason we do the things that we do are that it's a God thing, amen. right? God's, God says here, don't keep a tight grip on your wallet. And then in this verse 11, he says, I command you. Or, oh, that's good. <laughs> We're getting somewhere now. We're good. <laughs> it's nice to be home. I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy, right? That wasn't an if you want to. That wasn't a here's an idea for you. That was God saying, I command you that here's what you've got to do for those that are poor and needy. And God said, the, the poor are always going to be there. So actually, open-handedness needs to be a way of life. Needs to be a way of life. And if you look through into the New Testament, you'll find that generosity was one of the characteristics also of the New Testament church. There's an interesting couple of verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Some of you will be familiar with these. I want to read them to you again. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, I could preach for a month on those couple of verses, 
There is so much content in there. You know, for, firstly, it talks about how, how, how the, 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 the generosity of these Macedonian churches, it says, I want you to know the grace that God has given them. So generosity doesn't always come naturally, but generosity is an indication of a work of God within our hearts. It's a grace that God gives to us. And then he says, they themselves are in severe trials. Then he says, they themselves are living in extreme poverty. But it says, rich generosity welled up. So here they were having a really hard time in life, hard up themselves, but they saw the needs of some other people, and, 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 and he says they gave even above their ability to give. I got no idea how that works out. I don't know how you do that. But they did. Because God's grace had made them generous people. There's, you know, one of the things I love about the Bible is I've been reading the Bible for 60 years now anyway, and I've been preaching the Bible for something like 56, 57 years now. But there's still stuff in here that I never saw before. And I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I never saw it quite this way. All right, here's what it says in verse 2. Paul's giving some instruction about the giving to the Corinthian church. He says, on every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Okay, now some of you say, oh, I remember it. I remember those verses. And, and uh, some of you might say, I remember that, Rog, because I remember you mentioned it once or twice. That, you know, every Lord's Day, you make up your mind what, you want it, what you're going to give, and you give each Lord's Day what, what you've decided to give. And then I realized there was, there was one important little bit that I'd never noticed here. So, I didn't preach false doctrine before, but I'll put that verse into its full context today and point out to you that Paul wasn't talking to the Corinthians about the regular offering they received in their church services on Sunday. He was talking about what was called the relief offering. And he was saying to them, here's what I want you to do. Every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something and use it for this offering, which was the relief offering to help those who are poor. He said, every Sunday, I want you to put back something from what the Lord has enabled you to learn and to earn, has helped you to earn, and I want you to put that to one side to help those that are poor. I, I like that idea where he said, now every Sunday morning, you just give it some thought and do it. Sometimes to, to create a habit, it's good to, um, they call it piggybacking habits. You link it to something you do regularly already. I was told for years it's healthy to drink water. 
Water is so boring. <laughs> right? It is colorless, odorless, tasteless, pointless. Right? It's like, I don't want to drink water. You know? I like Diet Coke. It's diet. It's good. Right? Hey, for years I drank diet cream soda by the bottle full, but uh, I lost my taste for that. That's weird, right? But I drink anything but water, and then I'm like, I've got to start drinking water, but I'd never get started drinking water. So you know what I did? One morning I had this bright idea. First thing I do in the morning is make coffee. You can't even talk to Jesus till you drunk coffee. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, re really, really, it's better that nobody talks to me before I had coffee even the Lord. Uh, so, so first thing, first thing of the day is to get, is, is get coffee organized. So you know what? I thought, you know what? While I'm waiting for my coffee, I'll drink a glass of water. So I piggybacked the two habits, and that got me into the regular routine. And I still do that now. While I'm making the coffee, I drink my water. Make the coffee, drink water. And it became a habit. And that's a great way to form a habit. Because otherwise, with the best will in the world, we may set off with a good intention to do something and do it once, but actually never get into routine. So that's why the Bible says here, here's an idea. Every, every Sunday, every Sunday, make up your mind what you're going to give. And it talks about giving to those in need here specifically. It's not talking about the church offering and tithes. It's talking about giving to those in need. And it says every Sunday, make up your mind what you're going to do. And it says based on... How much the Lord has helped you earn. Now that, folks, is such an important statement. How much the Lord has helped you earn. Just let it sink in for a moment. Whatever you get, the Lord has helped you earn. You may say, I worked hard for it. The Lord has helped you earn. You say, I, 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 I've learned skills and I've done that. Yep, other people taught you. You didn't learn them. You say, well, I studied hard. I went to school for a long time. And yep, God gave you the brain. Hello? The Lord has, if we can see that whatever comes to us comes actually from God and because of God, then we won't keep such a tight hand on our purse, but we'll recognize it's okay to say, God, I want to do something that you would want me to do with this. And so I take some of what the Lord has helped me to earn, and I put it to one side to help those that are in need. Giving in the New Testament is looked upon as systematic, planned, and giving. I've, listen, you and I, well, I don't know about you, do I? I I've sat in plenty of services because, you know, when, you, when you've pastored for a few years, it's difficult to sit in another church's services. You know, sometimes when we're on vacation, I don't go to church. That makes, that's terrible, isn't it? Right? It's like, I don't go to church for two reasons. One is I'm on vacation. And secondly, I know too much. It's like, yeah, I know, what, I know where you're going with this. It's not good. And, you know, you know and it's, and so, you know, you know, and I've sat in churches where I know, you know exactly what's happening. The people are being squeezed for money. And it's like, 
No, don't do that. And some of you have been in that kind of situation. And, and that's why the Bible encourages us. Look, 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 don't let, your, don't let your giving be an emotional thing. Don't let it be a forced thing. You yourself, look at where things are at and say, here's what I want to give. And you give it. That's, that's how the New Testament encourages us to give. Let it be systematic, planned. Recognizing above all that God is as the source and God is the giver. But, he, but here's what it says in Deuteronomy 8, 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Whoa, that's a good one, right? It is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That comes from God. I remember years ago, a good, a good friend of ours had a, 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 a thriving business um, in, in Queens, and um, he was talking about retirement and where he was going to go and what he was going to get. And I said to him one day, I said, well, you worked so hard all these years, you know, you deserve it. And he said, Roger, let's be clear. There are people who work harder than I've worked, and they're still struggling. He said, I'm where I am because of God's goodness, not because of what I've done. That, that's, you know. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God, right? That's, that's the secret. And if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I'm in a pretty reasonable place in life just now, thank God for that, folks. Thank God for that. You may have invested wisely, made some good moves, but thank God. Because overall, and you may be sitting here today and say, hey, Roger, I'm not in that position. I'm one of those who are struggling. And, I, you know, I might, you know, trust me, I can identify with you. I can. We've been there. We've been through long periods in our, in our lives as, as, as a family where, where that was us. And particularly in the years where pastoring small churches, um, sometimes in, in the UK, and they, they paid you what they could, but it wasn't much. Sometimes it was very, very difficult. And um, hey, if you say, I lay awake at night thinking about bills, I know, I, I, I've been there too. I, I, I've been there too, really, really. We found a, I found a great trick. We used to get our utility bills every quarter. And so you had a substantial bill every three months. And the December, the bill that came in in December, the end of December, was particularly difficult because you had to pay it about the middle of January, and that was right after Christmas, right? And after Christmas, I was doubly broke. So how do I pay, how do I pay that bill? And one January, I did, you know, I, I wrote the check out, and I sent it off, and uh, it was returned to me because, you know, I did, and I think a lot of us do this. When you get into a new year, you forget to change the year, right? So on my check, I'd written the day, the month, and I'd written the year before. So they returned the check and said, wrong date. And after that, I found a ploy that I used the next couple of Januaries. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm proud of it. I'm just saying we couldn't pay. You know, that's, we just couldn't do it. We just couldn't do it. January, yeah, right, right, 2021, yeah. So it'll take about 10 days to get back to me. I'll write it. And in a couple of weeks' time, I should be able to pay it. It was like, 
I mean, but that's still not a good place to be living, is it? Because you're, you're disturbed and troubled when the phone rings. There was a time when we did not have caller ID. I know that's strange to some of you. You did not know who was calling. You had to pick it up and see if your car warranty had expired. Right? And, and you know, and so, you know, I remember, you know, ner- phone rings and I'm nervous to pick it up because I'm afraid somebody's going to be after me for a bill that I wasn't able to pay. But I am going to tell you this. I'm standing here today to tell you all my life, he's been faithful. Amen. All my life, he has been faithful. There are times when we felt like we were sinking, but we never gone under. Never gone under. And I'll also tell you this. Now, some of you might get upset now and say, I thought you read the verse, you don't tell people what you do. Well, I'm going to tell you what we did. <laughs> and if you get upset with me, well, that never happened before. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can deal with it. Um, right through every year of our married life, there is one thing that I have tried to live by, and that is this. I give to God as a priority. I am generous as I approach other people. And like the Macedonians, there were times when we couldn't afford it, but you know what? We still did it. And you know what? We're still afloat today to tell the story. You know, if there's one thing you know, there's a lot of things that, you, you know, that some folks don't like about the way I am or the way I do church, and, and that's fine. They don't have to come. Um, but, but you know what? There's one thing nobody will ever be able to say about me, I think. I don't think anybody will ever be able to say, you know, Roger, he was so cheap. I don't think anybody's going to say that. I don't think anybody will ever say that about this church. You know, Genesis, those people don't care about anybody. I sometimes, I sometimes just, because nowadays I, you know, to some degree, I, I stand back and watch so many other people doing so much here, and, and, but I'm absolutely amazed. I mean, the, the guys who went yesterday worked in ridiculous heat all day to work on the next phase of the 180. The fact that basically, if you didn't put in your application for the DR this November, you can't go because there are too many people who are going. Well, there's not too many. There's so many. There's so many. And, and, and the, the fact that with Ken and Ginny have got so many people who will not only be on the line to serve people as they come through the drive-through food pantry on a, on a Wednesday morning, but there are people who will come down here in an evening during the week when nobody sees them doing it, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll sort through all the produce and the vegetables that have been donated and, and, you know, work out what ones are still good, what's got some life, and what goes to feel, feed wildlife or, or whatever, you know. And, and uh, you know, that's not a spectacular job, but it's all part of it. Why? Because helping the hurting is part of how we're wired. Generosity. When you give. Well, that's one-third of this week's teaching, so uh, 
We may continue it next week, I think. Um, but, but the bottom line is this. Jesus didn't say you need to give to those in need. He said when you give to those in need. He didn't demand that we do it. He expected that we do it. And I want to encourage you, because some of you may only this Sunday morning have become aware of some of the opportunity with us. I want to encourage you, listen, you will never be impoverished by giving. I'll say that again, because it's true. You will never be impoverished by giving. You will never be impoverished. You will be impoverished if you keep everything close to you. You'll wither up and die but you will never be. And I'll go into this a little more detail next week. I'll tell you one reason you will never be impoverished by giving. And it's a verse I love to talk to Ken or mention to Ken and Ginny. I do it over and over again. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. God gives seed to sowers. So if I sow the seed, God's always going to give me something, something to sow. If I'm not a sower, say, hey, you don't need it. Good luck on your own. But if I'm a sower, God will always give me seed to sow. And, and we are going to give you some opportunities. We are inviting you to help in a practical way through this Grace Care Focus Month. The backpack program is one way. The second way, you got a card as you came in this morning. Here's what we're going to do. The last weekend of this month, the last Sunday of this month, we are designating as a gift day for Grace Care. What we are doing that day is everything that comes in, we will take an average week's running costs for us, from that, everything else will go into Grace Care. L let me just give you a bit more background. Uh, you know, Grace Care has been functioning for 21 years now. It's obviously, it's grown massively in the last couple of years. And mainly that came out of COVID and the increase of needs in COVID, but it also came out of another factor that God used, and, and that is that both Ken and Ginny were furloughed during COVID. They were already volunteering with our outreaches, but they had far more time then, and they just dove straight in and really got behind the whole thing. And, and, and when kind of the shutdown eased up, their jobs weren't there anymore, so this is what they do now. So they work full-time on this. We, we as a church now support them on a very part-time basis financially to help them because that's all we can do. But we used to have virtually no budget for Grace Care because everything that came in was donated and everything else. Now they're running around all over the place, picking up food all over the place. We've got overheads there. We've got more refrigeration and, and, uh, and, and, and freezer uh, space with commercial units um, than, you, than you would know and running, running them, taking care of, of, of uh, Ken and Ginny and so many other costs that are involved, there's a big budget for Grace Care now. So what we are going to do is, is I'm going to invite you. On that card, it says, plan, pray. What does it say? <laughs> I only wrote it. All right. No, that was the right order. Plan, pray, prepare. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't, don't decide today what you're going to give that last weekend of the month. Don't decide that today. Maybe today just decide that you will give that weekend. And then as the month goes by, um, I guess I'll talk about praying in two weeks' time then. But I do want you to encourage it, you to make it something you actually pray about. And I'll, I'll give you now a couple of directions you can pray. 
think I may go longer than you today. Um, there's, I'll give you a couple of directions to pray. When we were getting ready to move into this building, we knew what bills were still outstanding for the construction. And we came to a period about three or four weeks before we were due to move in where we needed $40,000 to pay the final costs that were involved to the different contractors, and we didn't have it. And here's what I did one Sunday. I said, listen, folks, I'm going to share a need with you, and there's no pressure with this, but here's what I'm going to suggest. Would you pray? If any of you's got 40000 just write a check now and put us out of our, <laughs> you know, put us out of our misery, you know, or I probably said something like that because I would, right? You know, but I said, I guess most of us haven't, so don't feel any pressure. But let's pray and say, God, will you, anything you give me unexpectedly, over the next couple of weeks, I will take as your provision for the building, and I'll give it. Will you do that? And we prayed, and that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. Jill and I got a check from someone for $10,000 the next day. Yes, I hesitated for a moment. All right, I'm sorry, I'm human. I looked at it and thought, well, it is made out to us. And she said, that's for the church. I said, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right, that is. And that was the first, that was 25% of it right there. There was $10,000 for that right there. Because we'd said, God, anything that comes in, we're not expecting. That's what we're going to do. That's one way to pray. Pray, God, I want to do something at the end of this month for grace care, whatever, whatever you're able to do. Another way to pray is this. God, help me to share the Word with others. And it may be that family and friends, it may be that the company you work for would make donations and ask them. Listen, the bottom line is God will always provide for His work, right? God. I'm going to say that again because you're getting tired and you do need to say amen. The bottom line is God will always provide for his work. Amen. Right? So I'm not sweating this and nobody else is sweating this. But what we're saying is let's see if this is one of the ways God provides through our gift day the last Sunday of this month. But my friends, the bottom line is this. Let the generosity that Jesus exemplified be part of our characters too. Let's be generous like he was generous as we are able because then we reflect our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray together.